0: What up, family? Welcome to bonus episode 101 of The Genius Life. What up, family? Welcome to another bonus COVID-19 themed episode of The Genius Life. This show is going up Monday, April 6th. 2020, you know that episodes of my show typically go up every Wednesday, but I'm trying to put out uh, these bonus episodes to cover topics that I think are um, really topical in terms of their relevance to what we're all dealing with right now, the global COVID-19 pandemic. And this episode of the show is going to focus squarely on mental health, a topic that I don't think is being discussed enough in mainstream media and even on social media. So over the course of the next hour, you're going to discover ways to cope with anxiety, with depression, with the social isolation, with the financial pressures that um, all of us are no doubt experiencing. My guest is Dr. Drew Ramsey. Dr. Ramsey is a psychiatrist, he's an author, and he's also a farmer. He's a clear voice in the mental health conversation, and he's one of psychiatry's leading proponents of using nutritional interventions to help deal with mental health Uh, issues. He's also an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. And he's a good friend of mine. He's he's an overall very smart guy, very down to earth, very pragmatic. And um, yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. And like the last bonus COVID-19 episode that I did, which I highly recommend you check out if you haven't already um, with Dr. Molly Maloof, I take questions from the audience in this one. I implored my followers to text me their mental health-related COVID-19 questions to my text message community, which you can join at any time by sending the word genius to 310-299-9401. And we got some great questions from the community. We answer questions about how to deal with the quarantine if you've struggled with um, an eating disorder in the past. We talk about ways of reaching out to loved ones um, or even close friends that might not be coping with the loneliness factor all that well. So there's a lot within this episode and Dr. Ramsey is um, just a wealth of knowledge. So yeah, I'm excited for you to, um, to dive in with us. This episode is brought to you by Navitas Organics. Navitas makes a line of super delicious, super healthy, shelf stable, organic snack foods and smoothie ingredients. I I'm always picking up stuff whenever I go to the supermarket Uh, made by Navitas. They make, I mean, they produce everything from cacao nibs to chia seeds to uh, really great nut products like turmeric um, coated almonds. And they now have like a uh, They have goji berries and golden berries. If you guys have never tried a dried golden berry, you're in for a treat. I love dried golden berries. They are super tart and sour. They're sort of like nature's Sour Patch Kids, um, if you remember those. I was a huge fan of those growing up. And um, they just, yeah, they make super high-quality stuff that you can just load your pantry up with, um, throw them into smoothies, make your own trail mixes. Uh, I'm a big fan of the stuff that they produce. I'm always stocking up on their cacao, um, their cacao powder as well as their cacao nibs as I mentioned golden berries I'm a big fan of they also make a number of really cool like latte products I'm just looking at their website right now they really expanded their line and um, I've got a great discount for you that they've been gracious enough to offer uh, listeners of the Genius Life podcast if you go to Navitas Organics N-A-V-I-T-A-S Organics dot com and use promo code genius, they'll get to save a whopping 30% off of everything in their online store, which is great, means that you can stock up on healthy food without having to leave your house, which uh, we all know is important. You know, you're know, you not going to have to put a, you know, a mask on before going to their website. You can just go and load up on all kinds of healthy goodies. So again, that's navitasorganics.com. Uh, promo code genius. You'll get to save 30% off baby. So check them out before we dive in. I want to give a shout out to a reviewer of the show, Jessica Willoughby, who left this really kind rating and review for the show on iTunes. She gave us five stars and she wrote, the Best Podcast. Max has this unique talent to leave the listener informed without a bias, which almost never happens. And on top of all that, he is engaging, so I always look forward to listening. Jessica, I can't tell you how much it makes my heart sing that that is how you feel about the show. People like you make it all possible. All the work that it takes to produce this show, I wouldn't be doing it without you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, and um, hope you're staying safe and stay sane out there. And... uh. I hope the next hour brings some, some clarity, um, to, uh, to some of the emotions that I think we're all, uh, you know, feeling some more intensely than others these days. So without further ado, here is my chat with Dr. Drew Ramsey. Dr. Drew Ramsey, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Max, thank you so much. Everybody's thinking about their mental health, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you about everything you're experiencing and and how folks can be thinking about their mental health. So it's yeah, it's it's nice to be back, and it's nice to be speaking with you under these circumstances.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a huge topic, and I'm very, I feel very lucky in the sense that just before we started rolling, I was telling you, I, you know, I'm in LA. I my job has not been all that. Um, severely affected by this and I have my family around me. So I'm very lucky and none of us, thank God, have COVID-19. But not everybody is as lucky as we are. So I want to spend the next hour, if we can, talking about all things mental health um, related to COVID-19 and the social uh, isolation that I think many of us are feeling. And especially because I feel like the media is not really talking about um, the mental health side of things all that much.
1: Well, that's maybe a little bit the the changing. Let's hope that's changing this conversation and other conversations. I think everyone's really focused and just very frightened about the physical aspects of this uh, virus. And there's a lot of focus on ICUs and ventilators. It, it's uh, maybe doesn't seem quite as pressing, but it is because mental health is something that we're all Sitting with or struggling with right now as our lives have changed as you just as you just noted it's just not those things that keep us mentally healthy that remind us that we're connected our work uh, Seeing friends and family having that diverse experience that just being in your house. That's been taken away So people who have a formal diagnosis um, and have struggled with their mental health in, in specific ways uh, Along with just everyone else that has a human brain. It's a real mental health challenge right now.
0: It's so true everybody has been Uh, Affected by this in some way. So at this point, what have you observed in your own patients in regard to the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Yeah, so so everyone listening, I'm a a psychiatrist usually based in New York and and I split my time between there and Indiana uh, where I have a farm. And so I've been doing a fair amount of telepsychiatry. Now is really the first time ever, Max, where I'm I'm all telepsych. And so this is now, I've done a month. I've done, uh, it feels like, you know, over 100 hours of just, uh, seeing patients by video and it's changing in the beginning there was everything from you know people kind of doubting the severity of this uh, helping a lot of people make a decision do they stay in New York do they leave uh, where do they go uh, that preparation and kind of management of anxiety, those sorts of skills, really faded uh, over the last week. This week, I started hearing a lot more disorientation, uh, a lot more regression. People just struggling with more primitive feelings. Uh, a lot more pasta. <laughs> just hmm. so. So there's been this shift uh, of I think we wanted to be in denial because that of the severity and potential longevity of this. And now as the reality that schools canceled, not, not just past spring break, but until next fall, that, you know, plants are shutting down like GM, uh, that millions of people at 10 million people have lost their jobs. So the ripple of all of that, even if everything got back on track today is going to be enormous. And so that's weighing on everyone's mental health because we are, are, we are generally in a fair amount of denial that we don't have full control of our lives, we're always in an effort of trying to feel a sense of control and a sense of maturity in our lives. And so to be disrupted like this, a once in a lifetime phenomena, those skills that we usually use, like don't catastrophize, you know, like uh, uh, the, a lot of those tools aren't working for people. And, and so I think things are beginning to fray. It's why I'm glad we're having this conversation is to, to talk uh, about how to bolster those skills? how to both double down on the stuff that we know that works, how to give ourselves more permission to to not you know this is not a time to be focused on optimization. This is a time to be focused on connection, survival, um, symptom management.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But I mean, being locked in your house definitely takes a toll. Like I, I mean I've found that I you know, I want to leave the house during the day. I can't for obvious reasons. Like we don't we don't have a precedent for this, and so <laughs> I just feel like we don't have the fact the, the the faculties to really know how to deal with this. It's such a novel. I mean, the virus itself is novel, of course, but the 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 way in which we're all having to deal with it is new as well. So I think it's I feel like it's leaving a lot of us feeling a bit shell shocked and confused.
1: So I want to just catch what you said. We don't have the faculties for this. And Max, I think you have such incredible faculty for this right now. Uh, we've never experienced it before. That's totally true. Yeah. In medical school, there wasn't a viral pandemic class. Uh, but I have to tell you a month in, I, I don't feel in any way that I'm struggling to take good care of my patients. Hmm. I don't feel that in any way I'm struggling to take good care of my family or my friends or to stay connected. It's a shift, but, but I think really honoring our resilience, you, you know, you, you, you call it genius life for a reason, there's genius up there. And, and, uh, as we're tapping into that genius that we all have to be creative, to be flexible, to be mature, um, the, the biggest challenge, I felt really dumb kind of offering this up, not dumb, but a little bit, you know, people are facing unemployment and loss and death. Um, I'm, I'm living w- with my parents who are, uh, Uh, quite old and somewhat infirmed you know we're struggling with that thoughts of is this going to get us tomorrow is it going to get one of us it's terrifying Mm -hmm. so in no mean no way do i want to downplay that or the uh, anxiety of that but i do have a bit of a kind of challenge or an idea around how this is a moment for all of us to really be on an inward journey uh uh, that that is what this time is for um it, it i've sort of been I don't know if, if this was a long time ago when we were a much more traditional culture we'd be wondering why the gods are punishing us uh, and we'd probably be saying it's because we've been so polarized so separate and um, so busy and so uh, that's not why this virus is happening but I, I think there is some wisdom in that for us to take this as an opportunity to uh, you can't go outside that sucks right i mean it 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 it's awful and for a lot of my patients it was very i'd say awkward this week i'm here on my farm in indiana I maybe mean, you can hear the birds in the background i wake up in the morning in my front field and wander about it's quite a luxury i feel very privileged to have that i spoke with a number of my patients who've been in their apartment one for 9 days in a row in the apartment no fresh air and so it it's really a Hard to see that in any way as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to survive, and I think I think for many people, not for everyone, there's there's something more in it for us, um, some lesson. I I hope that's what I'm trying to, in some ways, look for and encourage people to find.
0: I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the hardest things about this for me is that I just miss my friends, and uh and and that's been really hard. But for some, there are. Uh, beyond that, there are the obvious financial implications of the pandemic. Many have lost their jobs. Um, a significant portion of the population is now unemployed and feeling the squeeze of an income that has dried up. What are some effective ways that we can better cope with that burden? Uh,
1: the worst I've ever felt in my life is as a man, as a husband, uh, as a dad, as a as a is when I've had financial struggles or uh, that's just so hard. It's, it's easy to have words around it. I think it's hard to have action around it, uh, w- especially when it happens suddenly like this, especially because we hinge so much of our self-esteem and our sense of worth, uh, unfortunately, but it's true, on our income and and even beyond that, just on our ability to provide. So that's just really hit so many individuals uh, over the past, really what, two weeks. Uh, um, I still believe in human resilience, and I think anybody who's in that situation, it, while well, it's terrifying, uh, one thing that I have certainly learned over my years, uh, working with patients, many of whom have, you know, incredible challenges with their mental health, it's just the incredible resilience that people have. I, I I've had a few patients who, you know, I've seen them go through six, seven jobs in the midst of, really the worst of circumstances when it comes to mental health, and and they are still fighting. And so it gives me this incredible optimistic belief, uh, really evidenced by what I've seen um, in the resilience of people. That doesn't make it maybe any easier that the next months are going to be incredibly tough, that people are having to do things like ration food and ration toilet paper and... Um, not enjoy the, maybe the level of lifestyle that they have, but I think you really want to work very hard to to shed that skin as snakes do, uh, and to um, really embrace the change. Is there isn't much of a choice? It's happening. It's happening to all of us. To look for opportunity in, in it, and that that again, I don't mean that um, in any sort of Pollyannish way. Uh, I, I don't. It's, uh, I asked one of my patients about their coping, and they said they heard about the, you know gratitude. Is actually somebody who was has long-term sobriety. He said, you know, but the mistake people make is they don't work the gratitude list. And so I don't in any way want to tell, have people hear me saying, you know, hey, you're resilient. Go get it. Shed that skin. Embrace your new life. You really have to work at that stance very hard. But I, I think it's a critical pivot for people to make, uh, um, to to do some grieving. That that job is gone. Uh, that bank account might be gone. Like that that. But but then to um, pivot into the next step of okay, well the challenges in front of you are really clear then, in terms of the next few weeks, and to get oriented around that. Uh, whether that's getting the benefits that the government is handing out and figuring out how you're going to stretch that, or whether it's um, getting involved. There's lots of free online education, lots of free job training, um, uh, to to mobilize and again get get some better feeling around taking steps and taking actions into the next phase of your life. again, really really hard to do when you're feeling down and depressed and disoriented. Uh, but those at least for individuals who lost job would see some of the thoughts that I've had and then just picking up on what you said, Max, connect. You're not seeing your friends in person you're not getting that you know sometimes especially with men sometimes it's not the most conversation it's like a beer and a slap on the back <laughs> but uh, getting, and getting teased but uh you can get that on zoom uh you can get some of that on zoom so to to really i have been tickled to see how many people are connecting using video conferencing and um that that has been really nice to see how how uh, resourceful people are being
0: yeah is there a way to to reframe negative thinking that that has been helpful for your patients i mean actually rebecca um, who's a student. She sent this message via my Instagram. She asked if there's a way to reframe negative thinking due to job loss, feeling worthless or not, uh, you know, helping in the larger cause in the face of the crisis.
1: Well, I'd separate into two things. One is how do we deal with, um, a notion of service during this time? And the first one I would say is a question around how do you contextualize job loss? How do you, how do you contextualize in some ways feeling rejected? And so I think it's very, very important. I work very hard with my patients to really separate out the reality of what happened and then the transferential feelings, meaning all of what happens for us on a very personal level when something gets taken from us, whether it's your job your relationship, that that just, that usually for people drives such a sense of, you know, that that happened for a reason, that there's something we've done wrong. Um, this is a good opportunity to really not get into those patterns of thinking because uh, this is an unprecedented event. And while that makes it a little bit hard to quell anxiety in patients, in terms of explanation, it's all hands on deck right now, and that should be true for your mind. It should be all hands on deck for you really not going down a path uh that that attacks your personhood um and instead staying on a path of uh, resiliency of self-love of loving kindness towards self and others to be really disciplined about that, that um to put this in the context of okay the great depression lasted for 4 years that sounds like i facebook just showed me a picture of me 4 years ago young looking doctor with these babies in my hands now i'm like this middle-aged guy with old kids but 4 years sounds like a lot of time it is a lot of time but it, even if this lasts for years and years and years, if you survive, you're, you're going to come out more knowledgeable, full of life experience, I suspect for most people, really, really well. So um, those are some ways that I, I really work to battle negative thoughts, not to catastrophize, um, to uh, not, not allow them to get personal, uh, um, to contextualize things in time and space is, is very, very important. And then to follow those, those um Skills that prevent us from getting in a catastrophic catastrophic state of mind So this is where the activities of daily living showering eating uh, uh, Sleeping well moving your body connecting with friends. It's where it's very important to be disciplined about those because That that that's when the mind does the worst things to us I find is one where Sleep-deprived maybe a little hungover and hungry and feeling isolated and lonely that that's when you know um, People tend to, to to be worse towards themselves.
0: Yeah, it's so true I mean when I when I'm underslept, I definitely feel like my ability to emotionally contextualize stressful stimuli um, goes out the window, you know, I, I Remember most vividly when I like about a decade ago when I was going through a breakup I was just chronically underslept because I, f- I feel like back then I probably just, I was probably going out a lot more. I was like drinking a lot more alcohol and I had a job that required me often to wake up very early. I would, rec- I would recognize that on those days where I had to be up super early and I didn't get very good su- sleep the night before going going through that breakup, it was exponentially more difficult on those days. And I was, I was always gonna be prone to bad decision making um, when I was underslept. So yeah, prioritizing sleep, um, you know among the other things that you mentioned uh crucially crucially important what are some things that people can do these are really good preventative measures but what are some things that people can do when they're in the when they feel like they're in the midst of an episode of anxiety
1: so when this happens uh, i'll talk both about myself and my patients and so um, anxiety, like, like like a lot of our moods, like a lot of mental health, it, 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 the intensity of it comes and goes. And so I think first is really, as you notice the anxiety or panic coming to you to really focus attention on it. Um, it happened to me the other day, I got really lightheaded and really anxious. I had a hard time catching my breath all of a sudden. and uh, And there was a lot going on. And I kind of was in a position where I could really settle down that other stimuli and just um, so that might be just getting to a quiet room with yourself. Um, that's one technique. Some people like distraction, but I like to kind of go right in there and think, try and understand what's making me anxious now. Breath is one of the most important pieces of dealing with anxiety because uh, an- anxiety makes us feel out of control. And controlling your breath, especially the morgan, that you work it. It's like sleep, right? It's not good enough just to say, like, let's all sleep well. You gotta it's hard to get eight hours of sleep and it's hard I think to really feel uh, clarity and control of breath especially when you're having anxiety and so in the midst of it I, I really work on focusing on the things I do have control of like my breath and external stimuli um, then I, I do a couple of things one is I work my vagus nerve a little bit if I'm really nervous the vagus nerve kind of controls our parasympathetic nervous system that's part of our nervous system that gets triggered when we relax or when we eat um, so I find things that help me are kind of like humming or a little chanting where you get a little vibration in your neck. Hmm. Um, so, sometimes I'll rub my vagus nerve a little bit, uh, which is um, it kind of runs along the carotid artery up uh, up your neck. Um, uh, I would say there's tremendous evidence around those. But I, I kind of the general idea is around self-soothing and self-touch as a primary uh, and self-focus as a primary way. Of thinking about dealing with acute anxiety, um, other techniques I mentioned that I like. I, I do like distraction. I find if I can get myself settled down and then get involved in something else, maybe that's a little exercise, maybe that's a little like silly concrete work, um, baking something. It's where I find chopping vegetables really satisfying. So since there's a lot of time in the kitchen now um how you channel or sublimate anxiety and sad feelings into productive things whether that's your workout whether that's the you know uh sheet uh, full of salmon and veggies that you're baking or the bread that you're baking um or that interesting new you know class that you're taking uh at the free online university whatever it is the you know, I think people think of distraction as like, "Ooh, it's not such a great coping skill." It's a great coping skill. I just think it's good to prepare the mind and then go there. Oh, Max, sorry, this giant bald eagle is just circling around our pond right now and about to land. Oh man! Oh my gosh! It's incredible! It's wow. just huge. Uh, so let's 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 hope that's a good omen, and uh, we can send that image out to everybody listening. Yeah, the. Uh, huge bald eagle um, so cool it, it, life on the farm and so those <laughs> those are some of the the acute ideas one thing that also I like to admit is taking your meds um, I treat lots of patients with anxiety and and there's a lot of you know controversy about psychiatric medications I, I guess there's not much controversy for me because I prescribe medicines uh, that I hope work and and if they do work then I encourage people to take them and I find a lot of patients with anxiety, have a prescription for something like Ativan or Xanax or Valium, and and they kind of pride themselves often in not taking it. And under normal times, like you know, it's kind of a metric. Like I'm doing really well. I didn't take any of the ad, emergency Ativan or Clonopin that I have. And, and and I found over the month, I'm really encouraging people to use medications at appropriate, not to abuse them, but that if you're feeling really anxious and panic and you can't get a breath and you have a prescription for a medicine that's supposed to help you during that time, take it. Uh, take it one to show yourself it's a tool that works because it's good to know that or that it's a tool that's not working. It's really good to know that as well. Uh, And and so that's one of the other tools that that I encourage people. um, If you are not in the psychotherapy or talk therapy and you're having a lot more anxiety and you've been in therapy before, almost all of us have moved to telehealth. My entire clinic is now, we're seeing everybody by telemedicine have been for about a month. Uh, It works great. Uh, A lot of people have strong opinions about telemedicine and I really encourage people to to try it. Um I've been doing teletherapy and telepsychiatry for years. Um I think the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it as a clinician and the better you get with it, but also um I think the same is true with patients. It takes a little while, but you know there are lots of those resources available, our uh, clinical staff is available in terms of, you know, not so much like wow, you're having panic attacks, you really need a psychiatrist, but it's good to check in. We had a number of people schedule sessions where they just were like, I'm doing all right. I'm having these symptoms. I want some tools and I want to check in in a couple of weeks. Uh, and so if, if you're having a lot of symptoms, establishing a relationship with, you know, it doesn't have to be a therapist, therapist, coach, friend, co- you know, um, COVID-19 quarantine buddy who's a, you know, friend from college. Those are all options that can help you think, uh, having think in a way of having more structure more support around the anxiety
0: yeah what about people who are self-medicating with booze apparently alcoholic beverages uh the sales of of booze have shot up 55 percent in the third week of march compared to the same time a year ago so that's like people are drinking more um self-medicating you know not with these prescription drugs necessarily but with uh with things like alcohol and maybe other potentially destructive behaviors. What about, what should we say to those people?
1: And, and you're out there in Wacky, California, there's a lot of self-medicating with the cannabis as well. <laughs> I, I think those have always been things that people use medication, that's why alcohol and, and marijuana remain two of the most popular substances. As my friend uh, Dr. Lloyd Setterer, who ran the Office of Mental Health for the state of New York uh, sums it up, you know, drugs are popular because they work. And so I, I've noticed that what we've been trying to do, what I've been encouraging uh, patients who tolerate alcohol to do, uh, you know, not surprisingly is to be mindful. There's an increase in purchase. That doesn't mean there's just an increase in consumption because everybody used to be getting all of their alcohol or a lot of it at bars and now they're having to pour their drinks themselves. So I, I think that statistic you know the, the uh, American Psychiatric Association released a survey, I think, in the second week, saying that alcohol consumption reported by individuals was only up by eight percent. And so I, I think it's where a lot of people are drinking, a lot of people are drinking more, um, and a lot of people are drinking more hard liquor is what I've noticed in in my patients, and I guess also in myself. And I've just really tried to be. Uh, kind and loving that, uh, one or two drinks can be very helpful in helping with anxiety. Um, alcohol binds to the same receptor as Adivan or Clonopin or Ambien, those benzodiazepine medications. They all are GABA drugs. And so, um, do I think it's the healthiest coping mechanism? No. Do I think there's something for occasionally taking a break from the 24-7 cycle of anxiety for people that's helpful? Yes should that only be with alcohol and drugs no uh but but sometimes that's how it is and and i tend to try and be very uh i I guess understanding of that and encourage people that if that's where you are okay the good thing is you're calming yourself down let's think about some other ways that are healthier maybe for you to get some anxiety relief and and, and to weave those into the program um is how i would think about it I, i i'm I'm concerned this week more than last week because I talked to a number of my patients where their normal coping skills maybe weren't my favorite normal coping skills. Right? They would, uh, you know, play a lot of video games and smoke a lot of cannabis or drink a lot. Um, but they've noted over the last week those aren't working. And same thing with exercise. I've heard a lot a lot of you know, people who have said, you know, exercise helps, but I'm not I'm not getting rid of this anxious feeling no matter how hard I work out. And so when we see coping skills fail like that, it's where it's very important to get not to get panicked, but to get creative about building in other skills.
0: Katie from Westfield, Indiana asked, how do I support a friend who has a history of depression and is living alone right now? I'm quarantined with my husband and four kids, so I struggle to connect with her. We are in such different situations. I can't get a second alone and she is so incredibly lonely. I'm not sure what to say or how to help.
1: Uh, Katie, fellow Hoosier, um, thank you for that lovely question because so many of us have friends who have formal diagnoses or struggle with depression or are alone and it's really time to step up and serve them. Uh, You asked about the last question was about service and, and I think that that I know it helps me feel better, even if I'm I'm just seeing my patients or or doing a podcast with you to try and and use my skills to to help in some way. And so, uh, ma'am, Katie, your your skill is that you're connected to this woman, and and maybe you can't get time away for a long talk. I always ask people break it down. It's more important to be consistent than it is to have a 45 minute conversation. And so, text, text and phone emojis. Um, give a quick call. Hey, good morning. How are you? I think particularly think about when people struggle. For me, I have the hardest time early in the morning, like four or five a.m. But I'm a pretty fun guy to talk to by mid-afternoon, mid-morning. <laughs> um, so, uh, but if you know your friend really struggles in the evening, make sure that, that you can again not a forever call, but a consistent call. Um, it it means a lot, um, and, and now especially with you know with uh, video conferencing, you, you can get a lot more in a concentrated time. Um, but consistency is the key to support that that's really that's why people like therapists Is we do our best to be consistent. We're there every week. We're there when you need us. Um, and so you got to add a little bit of that into your friendship. Um, and then I just recognize the difference. You guys are in different situations. That's always true. For us and other people we're always in different situations that shouldn't limit our ability to have true empathy or limit our ability to have caring or understanding and connection that, that that's um you know in some ways our strength around our curiosity and others lies in the fact that we are different
0: yeah and also using the tools of technology like facetime and text messages they're both so easy to do but you'd be surprised at how effective they are at helping people feel a little bit less alone through
1: all this. Yeah, I I, I kind of noticed that in week three, week four, I guess i now week five, that there, there kind of became this group that it felt like, for me, a number of them, a bunch of, you know, I guess kind of co-daddies, um, who kind of became, I don't know, I sort of added them to my patient roster in my mind, of like, I'm not only really checking in on all these individuals professionally, but then there are these, these folks where they're gonna both, I think, be, of support for me they have been so far but also i just really wanted to make sure and be of support to them so i'd make your list i right? who who's and i'm sure everybody kind of already has it of the folks that are helping get you through this and then just be consistent because you know we're going to be in this for a little bit max unfortunately uh, you know I, I i don't have any special knowledge to say that other than just i guess the numbers and my instincts as a doctor but it, it's um it's going to be a frightening time over mm-hmm. the next uh month of april and we're going to see things that you know um we're not used to seeing in this country or in our lifetime
0: yeah i i mean i definitely the first week maybe two weeks of this i was feeling pretty good about my uh you know being being holed up in my house for extended periods of time. And then this is like, I feel like we're going on the third or fourth week and I could definitely feel like something has changed. Like I'm a little bit less excited to get out of bed. Um, in the mornings, I definitely miss face to face social interaction. I miss, you know, being able to like hug a friend, like that physical, you mentioned self-touch, but I think like just being physically able to, to commune with other people. Um, so I, I, can even. I mean, the next few weeks I'm, I'm imagining are going to intensify these feelings to an even greater degree.
1: Yeah, I mean, no matter what way we slice it, self-touch ain't much compared to others' touch, right? So, yeah. it, it, it is, it is a trying time. I think it's why you and I wanted to talk is, is in some ways to highlight this. Um, oftentimes, when we're challenged um you know it's like get through this day get through this weekend right get through this bad mood today or or uh, or tonight it's not this real extended protracted challenge that's where that notion of an inward journey that this is a moment for you and yourself and and lots of other people were all involved in this with you but but um are there aspects of yourself that you can get more deeply into those can be fun things like playing an instrument or drawing they can also be contemplative things around really thinking about how you've been living and how you want to maybe make some changes. So, uh, but yeah, it, it is getting fatiguing. Um, it's where it's also, again, that, that it's very challenging, that, that discipline to keep the nutrition up, keep creative in the kitchen, keep eating the genius food and the brain food. Um, I, I've been, you know, really trying to uh promote that idea, especially if you think about all this great data that's been coming out around uh, our abilities through diet to potentially reduce the risk of depression, reduce the risk of anxiety. You know, I don't think it's going to eliminate it in a situation like this, but we want uh, kind of every piston firing uh, when it comes to our efforts to um, survive this and to feel well.
0: Yeah. Dr. Ramsey, you brought up an interesting um, idea that I want to talk a little bit more about the silver lining in all this, like the fact that, yeah, this sucks. This is terrible. People are dying. It's, it's, I mean, it's not a It's overwhelmingly not positive, but there, is there the potential for, um, positive change in all this? Is there, is there the potential for a silver lining?
1: I am an optimistic psychiatrist, and so I am of the belief that when we are challenged, we tap into our creativity, into our resiliency, and we learn things about ourselves. And that's, I think, where I found myself increasingly wanting to try and understand what I'm learning, what, what I'm being taught. I, I, I commute every week from the farm, uh, from Indiana to New York. This is the first time I've been on the farm in spring for a month in a row there's something in that for me. I'm not sure what it is. I know I have a, again, a kind of special and privileged circumstance being out in the country, but, um, we, we bumped into our first really big patch of morel mushrooms, (laughs) um, you know, so I don't think that's the lesson of COVID-19 for us, but, but I'm trying, I'm kind of opening my mind and opening my heart to what I'm learning about myself. Um, and, uh, and uh, what I'm kind of focused on on a day to day basis of just getting by. but but I, I so I think that will be the silver lining for some people. I think there's a silver lining for us in the polarization of our country. that that's just really been quite concerning to me. I guess being a person who lives in the Midwest and in New York City, um these kind of notions we have about each other, the extreme polarization that's happened in our culture. I, I think there's a huge sim- for lighting in this for us about our consumption that i think it's probably really surprising for a lot of people that as they consume less um they're still doing quite well i'm not sure whether that lesson will stick but i think there's something about uh to me it feels this period is really dovetailing with a period in all of our lives where everybody was too busy and saying do you remember that that feeling uh, max like you get like hey yeah great so and you like go to schedule maybe the next time you're going to see each other <laughs> and it's like yeah. a feeling of dread opening up the calendar it's like wow i want to see you in the future but oh this calendar so I, I don't maybe that's just me but I, I don't i don't know what the lesson in that is um
0: my calendar is wide uh, open yeah i mean it's, right, it's right. definitely like it's made a lot of time and space in my life in everybody's lives
1: yeah, so I think what we do with that space, uh, uh, other than just watch watch things and and consume media, is really uh, an important thing to set time aside for every day. Um, I, you know, I I guess for me, one of the silver linings, I think, you know, people have been comparing this to the Great Depression, and my wife and I are talking, and I said, yeah, you know, but let's just think about what's different. They, you know, right now, uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of labs around the country have the sequence of this virus and are working on it to understand every aspect of it from you know how to treat it how to vaccinate against it how it works that, that's never before existed there there's all this innovation around personal protective equipment and PPE and you know hospitals figuring out how to split ventilators to serve two and four patients so uh, I, I think for physicians and for hospitals there's been this I don't know resurgence or or maybe um, focus on us in in a way that that um, healthcare has been a mess and, and we've known that for a long time but there there's something about the way that we see our healthcare providers um, in some cases dying because they don't have a simple face mask that that I think is shifting our consciousness about what we want to prioritize as a country at least at least I hope that is true that 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 from this we will emerge less polarized uh, we will emerge. Uh, more invested in health tech and in innovation, and then individually, that, that there'll be something for all of us in it beyond just surviving it. Um, I think that that's the challenge. I still I don't have a perfect answer to, but I hope everybody listens, listening, at it, least it, it spends uh, uh, some time, maybe gets a little um, uh, challenged or inspired uh, to to think about that for yourself.
0: Do you think that one of the potential upsides in all this is that it's going to get people to start thinking more carefully about their own health and preventative health, like all the things that you know we've been talking about in the health and wellness world and that functional medicine practitioners have been preaching for a while now, and that is that the time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. And I think that there's no truer example of that than what we're seeing now with um, COVID-19 and how it, it seems to be overwhelmingly hurting people with these comorbidities, with these other underlying pre-existing conditions.
1: I think it is. I think it's hard to see that right now. Uh, I think that it's going to depend um, in the messaging that comes out of this, especially as there's been a kind of increase of diversity in the age range of people who are passing, some of whom seem reasonably healthy. uh, I think there's a challenge also when there are this many people passing to make sense of it. It really depends in some ways what's in your feed. I remember it was last week on Tuesday was the first time I saw a picture of someone who passed in the U.S. from COVID-19. And so how we create the narratives around this and, and for ourselves and then as a community, I think, is, is still really in process. Uh, I do think that that increasingly people will pay attention to their their health or want to stay healthy. I think what's very hard about illnesses like this is, you know, they're really hitting the chronically ill with multiple comorbidities who've been sick probably for a long time. Those are the individuals at highest risk. Um, While we know those lifestyle interventions are most effective in their 20s, 30s, and 40s to really start. It's good to start any time, of course. So um, I, I do think this might hit the younger generation in a way. Uh, that that would really double down on their, you know, already pretty impressive commitment to fitness, food, and wellness. Um, But, you know, I think we're going to see, Max, I think it's also really hard to know right now because we're really in the first rounds of this fight, and I I hope I'm wrong in that. I I really do. Uh, um, But my sense is that this is going to be a slow jam version as it creeps across the country and across the world. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see. Yeah.
0: Um, going back to brain food, uh, which we just touched on, um, Sophie from Boulder, Colorado had a question, um, about eating disorders, uh, during all this. She asked, is there any advice on how should on how people should deal with eating disorders to get through times like this anxiety heightened loss of control food around all the time limited movement shame of being worried about body and exercise during a pandemic etc so people who are um, struggling with eating disorders how they might cope through this
1: Sophie thank you that's a really good question um eating disorders like bulimia and anorexia nervosa are on the um, extreme end of eating where people severely restrict eating anorexia is actually the most lethal psychiatric disorder a lot of times people don't know that but has a very very high mortality rate and it's very very triggering uh to be in situations as Sophie notes where you're out of control uh, a lot of eating disorder treatment is around not um of really letting go of the control around food, not labeling foods as good and bad, excuse me, eating on a kind of regular um, uh, schedule. Uh, so this is disrupting all of that. I think when people who have been in treatment notice that their coping skills are really not working, it's where a couple of things pop to mind. One is the importance of reaching out and connecting with your eating disorder community. This has really been affecting a lot of my patients who are in sobriety where Uh, I heard a horrible story, Max, actually, of uh, an AA meeting being done by Zoom, where some, like, troll hopped in the meeting and started pouring himself a drink and toasting everyone. Oh, God. And there were, like, hundreds of alcoholics in this who were suddenly watching this jackass, like, you know, (laughs) drink. And and so, uh, you know, I don't say that to discourage anyone from using these groups. I think I just say that is an example of a community that's used to meeting regularly, um, AA, really working hard to adapt online, but it's not quite the same as in person, as everyone says. Um, so connecting with eating disorder resources. Um, and then I always encourage people, I, I've sort of noticed it's more in the second and third week of this, to remember that if you have a diagnosis, you have a, you've been a patient, you've been in treatment, you have spent a lot of time building skills. And you've probably had periods in your life that maybe felt as dark or as terrifying as it feels right now. And so to really remember that, um, one of my patients with, with bulimia is actually has, has his longest streak of not having any behaviors. And uh, I think that really is in part to his situation in the quarantine. But it, it it I think is also him really taking this as an opportunity, really being very intentional, that it's going to be a challenge to him. Um, so those are some of the thoughts around eating disorders. I mean, the, the other ones I think are just to really focus on nutrient-dense foods, uh, really focus on the brain foods and um, uh, be very cautious about Whatever it is your triggers, whether it's portion control or exercising or calorie counting, just to really be verb mindful and then verbal with others if you see that happening. Yeah.
0: Great answer, Dr. Ramsey. Um, But the last time you were on my podcast, we did a deep dive into all things brain food. And people, I highly recommend, um, should go back and listen to that episode. But one of the things that that you talked about in that episode, which was um, I thought so interesting, was the value of uh, mollusks and things like clams and... Uh, oysters and, and things like that. Um, those kinds of foods might be a bit more difficult to get now because, uh, you know, we're eating out less and we're kind of limited to what our local markets have available to us. Um, so is there like a COVID-19 version of, you know, the ultimate brain foods list that's going to help bolster our resilience against uh, anxiety, depression and, and other mental health issues?
1: COVID-19 brain foods. I keep waiting for that to come up in your feed, Max. I mean, I'm, uh, <laughs> um, COVID-19 brain foods, for sure, there's a list. And I've been prescribing the same food categories for a while, and they apply to COVID-19. I have my little rhyme, seafood, greens, nuts, and beans, and a little dark chocolate. Sa- same rhyme I think I had on the last episode. And like that's because that. those food categories, uh, seafood, particularly the bivalves or the mollusks, the mussels, clams, and oysters, there's really nutrient dense. I think a lot of those are really easy to get right now, Max. Um, frozen seafood is the way to go, frozen shrimp, frozen scallops, um, uh, mussels uh, and clams do great in tins or in jars, so you'll be able to get those um, either delivered. And you can do lots of creative things like them, like I've been hearing lots of people binging on pasta. Put clams on that pasta. Um, <laughs> and make a pasta vongole, because clams are your top source of vitamin B12 and so i i think again that sort of general rule of nutritional psychiatry which is to really be joyous in your food preparation and in your self-nourishment that's really one of the keys of our field along with all the great nutrients um and so you know not to lament if you don't have any access to these foods um if you're not eating any seafood at all you're still going to be fine but how can you be creative within these food categories seafood greens nuts and beans and dark chocolate and kind of plan your uh, a bit more of your eating around, again, if you're in a situation where you have some control. I think it's also an important thing about brain food right now is if you're in a situation where you're eating chicken and rice or you're just eating pasta with red sauce and mac and cheese and pizza, um, and that's what you have access to, that's okay. The number one worst thing for the brain is not to feed it. And so it, it's... Um, this is going to be a temporary situation, but I really have been encouraging people to to use meal time as a time one to not talk about COVID nineteen. Good luck. The people in my family keep getting in trouble with me because you'll sit <laughs> down and it's like mortality rate. Did you hear about Austin? Did you hear it? It's like, hey, whoa, oh <laughs> no, no, no. This is like, tell me about your inner journey time. Not tell me about the anxiety we're all struggling with constantly. So I try and protect meal times um Be creative. I'm I'm trying to really both because what else do we have to do besides Instagram? But really trying to make my meals a little more beautiful or a little bit more intentional or make things like last night we made chicken that we made dumplings for the first time in my life. I've never made chicken and dumplings. They turned out okay, but you know, to, to use this as a time to to expand some of your repertoire, to challenge yourself with some new foods. Again, if you're not feeling up to it, it's not like you're not going to survive if you don't do this. But for me, and and for a lot of my patients, and and I think for a lot of you listening, that engagement with food, that creative process, that kind of self-nourishing stance, I find it super meditative and calming, and I and I like how it shows me things. Things come out of us that we don't expect, um, that we don't plan for, uh, if we just allow ourselves to be kind of in that state with our food and with our nourishment.
0: I'm going to come out of this such such a good cook. I mean, I was already a decent cook going into it, but I've been making some epic meals. I want, to, my, I want to hear
1: what what are some of your favorite COVID nineteen meals? Why don't you to share with us and inspire everybody, Max?
0: Oh my God, I've been making some epic stuff. First of all, last night I made I got uh, whole ducks from my local Whole Foods. I find that when you're dealing with really uh, collagenous cuts of meat, like maybe a, a whole rack of ribs or um, a whole bird, like a like a duck or a chicken, if you just put it on bake at like 225 degrees, like that's like just slightly hotter than a hot sauna. So it's not, that's very low heat, but you do it for like eight to 10 hours. It like melts down all the collagen and like you could do great things in an oven at that temperature with the right piece of meat. So I've been doing, I made these ducks that came out perfectly. I was making ribs earlier in the week Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's like, as, as you mentioned, it, it, it kind of, it's soothing, it puts your mind to something, and and I've been lucky in that I've been able to kinda of get to do this with my with my brothers and my dad, which is great. Uh, but even if you don't have the ability to have family over, there's something nice about cooking yourself a, a nice, you know, meal and pulling out all the stops for yourself as well, isn't there?
1: I think so, I think it's a bigger challenge. I mean, for those of you out there with family or friends in quarantine, I, I hope you're doing as Max is, is doing, as I'm trying to do, just, being a little more engaged and intentional and really using this as a place of strength. Um, I find you we're kind of doing it sounds like a little what you're doing, kinda of one big family meal a day. Um if you're alone, I think it's more challenging. Again, it's where social helps. Uh you can you can uh share a meal with someone over a video conference. Again, not as good as being in person, but at least maybe motivates you. I think it's it's hard day after day, so to, to kind of get creative and keep food being amazing. And so I would also encourage people to you know think about this as some times uh during the week doesn't have to be every single day but you know maybe it's a wednesday and a friday T- to be a little bit more intentional maybe even dress up again just just as a way of really um keeping yourself engaged um it's a little bit i think in some ways you know i've been thinking a lot about nelson mandela and people who have been in prison for a long time like what did what did they do you know, and how did how did how did they? Uh, and and think about all that we have access to that they didn't and that they don't. So um, maybe that's a little extreme, but uh, to to really embrace the opportunities we do have, because the most painful spot I've seen people in all week is where people are in this really bad spin cycle about not having control. And just uh, well, that's generally true. Uh, we are. Is, is organisms desperate it, our psychology is often in desperate desperate pursuit of control yeah and, and food is something you have some control over you know even if it's a slice i I got a nice flatbread pizza for lunch of the day that that uh, someone here made and it came up and it was beautiful I had little sliced peppers on it it was really. Even though it like a little flatbread pizza, it was like delicious, beautiful, and intentional.
0: What about you? Can't really talk about mental health without bringing up exercise and just you know overall physical activity. Um, what are some things that people can do to just keep their activity levels up uh, amidst this? That is gonna be um, that's gonna bolster mental health, but then also be in alignment with the recommendations. Uh, you know, I don't know what they are for each individual state, but. Um, should people be getting out of their houses, walking more, um, you know, doing, doing home workouts? Like what, is, what can people do to support um, you know, their mental health in a time when physical activity is, has probably declined to a significant degree?
1: Damn, Max, that's a good question. I'm sitting here like holding my belly and my new love handles, wondering, wondering about that <laughs> myself. I mean, I, uh, I love what you posted. Don't know about COVID-19, COVID-15 for sure.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that for people who have already had an exercise routine, they probably initially did some adaptation um, and then it gets tough. Uh, it gets tough to just be doing it at home. It's where a schedule can help. Um, Lots of st- people are streaming, you know, some folks like Tracy Anderson already had her studio online. So I think people who are plugged into some of those virtual studio experiences already are probably doing better, keeping those up. Um, folks who have a Peloton bike or a mirror, or any of those fancy things. I'm a real simple exercise guy, Max. I kind of think between, um, some jogging or some jumping rope or pushups or burpees, um, or pull-ups, I- you know, or you did some uh, dips on your counter. Uh, you know, I think, I think you can really get a lot of exercise done without any of that fancy stuff. Um, exercise is great for the brain. Exercise is just also, it's the best way to deal with anxiety and with fear because exercise gives you a moment. Every time you're exercising, there's a moment where you want to stop and you don't. There's a moment that you're on, you you're on your seventh rep and you don't think you can do eight, but you're gonna and you do. And that psychological feeling of mastery, of conquering things, of achieving goals is really, really key right now. And so, no matter what it is, just pushing yourself a little bit because there aren't other spots right now in our lives that we can push ourselves in as much. You just can't. It's not a great time to be setting like huge wild goals about your career or your family or your love life. Uh, but, but it is some time to set some clear goals about just keeping yourself active every day. Um, uh, it, it, it is, there's a lot of temptation and, and, uh, to to lose momentum and I'm a big believer in momentum that you know, when you're in not necessarily the habit but just in the I don't know, happened to be yesterday I just had been moving I was moving some big cedar logs for our garden and I just got really intentional about it I was like going to go I was going to go quick and I was going to carry really like I don't know really engaged with my core and I was just going to make it more of an exercise activity so if you're in home, this probably all sounds you know nice, but it's where those simple things—waking up and doing 50 air squats and 50 push-ups. Um, it can be as simple as that, but yeah exercise is really if you're really I guess it's another I was talking about panic and anxiety earlier Again, this doesn't work for everybody, but it works for some people uh, If you're beginning to feel that really drop and do as many push-ups as you can and soon you're going to be focused on your arms burning again That doesn't work for everybody, but it does work for some people um, Where it forces you to get control of your breathing because you're getting uh, not out of breath from anxiety but out of breath because you're doing push-ups or, or burpees
0: yeah, I've been doing lots of push-ups. I've been doing dips from my kitchen counter. I found like a nice corner in the kitchen where I can do dips. Um, I've been doing lots of yoga, lots of air squats. I like those, like unweighted air squats, just to like yep. Yep. keep my glutes activated. Make sure that um, you know keeping keeping the the synovial fluid and the and the lymph fluid circulating. You know, because you know that when you're sedentary for an extended period of time, fluids pool and uh, and that's not that's not good. So I've been doing lots of that stuff. Um, yesterday, I went on a walk around my around my house. Um, I mean, not around my house around. I, I just did like a few blocks um just to get the heart rate up a little bit. Uh, so yeah, not um not really trying to go overboard, but uh, recognizing that something is better than nothing.
1: Yeah, and something something is a lot right now. I mean, I think that's the other, you know, the kind of uh, we've been in a real optimization phase for. It feels like in the wellness world about like the best the best foods to live forever and to be like yeah. super fed, and and you know, right now that shouldn't be our goal. Right now, yeah. our goal should be feeling resilient, feeling strong, feeling calm. So, uh, I think it's particularly when people are having a lot of insomnia. I'm hearing a lot of, you know, almost everybody has a couple of nights, one night where they're just having a hard time falling asleep. You know, that that's where, if that's happening to you the next day is a really important day to work up a sweat and get some serious exercise in just to help yourself sleep better. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, we're just about out of time. I really, uh, appreciate you, you know, giving us an hour of your time um, for listeners who have follow-up, uh, questions, maybe they want to get in touch with you and you, you've also written a number of books. Where can Dr. Drew Ramsey be found on the interwebs?
1: Sure. Th- thanks, Max. Uh, I'm Drew Ramsey, MD everyone. So that's what I am on Instagram and Facebook. My website is DrewRamseyMD.com. We have a, a, a great clinical staff for folks who are looking, uh, we work primarily in New York state, but right now we're, we're seeing patients all over, uh, for folks who want or need consultations, both around food, but also around anxiety management and 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 mental health issues. M- my most recent book, Eat Complete, it's available uh, by download. If, if you like Genius Foods, you probably like Eat Complete. Um, uh, it, it's around nutritional psychiatry and eating for mental health. And then we've got an e-course, Eat to Beat Depression, uh, which is also available on my website, which is is trying to teach these basic fundamental rules of nutritional psychiatry and how to eat for brain health. So, th- those are all 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 easy ways to find more information uh, around around our services and around food and and brain health. And mainly, I just want to really encourage everyone. Uh, first of all, thank you for your time. It's wonderful to have a little session with you and with Max and just to encourage everyone to keep taking care of your mental health, really keep that at the front of your mind, in your intentions, to be very kind and gentle and loving with yourself in this uh, time of trauma and tension and to be kind and loving to those around you and and uh, to be in service, that we all have an opportunity now to be in service of one another, whether that's uh, a couple of the callers, we, questions we heard from of folks just reaching out to people who they know are struggling or have had mental health challenges, to um, being more creative and en- engaged um, in some of your work, to, to organizing a Zoom call with your high school friends, whatever it is, that's all in service of the greater good, in us being more connected, and and those are the pieces uh, of our lives that should give us great great faith and great hope that we're we're going to get through this.
0: Love that. Yes, we are. We're going to get through it, and we're going to get through it together. So thank yes. you, Dr. Ramsey, for your time. It really means a lot. I look forward to hanging with you the next time that becomes a possibility.
1: I know if this, la- if this lasts too long, we can do like an Insta Live from our saunas because you're getting a new one, and I put one in a couple years ago, and it's such a great game changer in terms of, I don't know, it's just cool when you have it in your house because you get in this rhythm where you do it a lot, and you really, I mean, well, you'll see. It's just really fun.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. We just got it. It's currently sitting on my roof. It's not in operation right now. We're waiting to get the heater installed. Um, but yeah, I'm very grateful. Um, and I'll share more about my sauna in, uh, in upcoming episodes. But for now, Dr. Ramsey, thank you so much for being with us. To all you guys out there in podcast land, please spread the word about the Genius Life. Share this episode of the show. It is so important. And thanks, as always, for being on board the Genius Train. I will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.